This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello again, everyone. You're joining us for another episode of Executive Platforms Blueprint Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm Head of Content and Research. My guest today is Kim Giangrande. She is um, an HR consultant. She works as the head of HR for a company, and she also uh, teaches HR through an MBA program. And uh, that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. What are some of the resources and tools the next generation of HR professionals should have? Where should they come from? How should they be developed? And how should they be communicated? I think this is going to be a great conversation. Kim, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. Now, in that sort of long-winded introduction, I didn't mention the actual name of the program or where you teach. So why don't we start off with a little bit about you and uh, a little bit about your background that led you to become a teacher? Okay. So I've been teaching for about 10 years at the University of New Haven. Prior to that, I actually taught at Albertus Magnus College, both um, in New Haven, Connecticut. I teach in the MBA program, and currently I'm teaching a human resources class. Um, I started in HR probably about 20 years ago. My career was originally in retail and then operations, and I transitioned into HR simply because of the passion for the type of work that is done in HR, the impact that it has on on the employees and how you can really influence change if you understand how to motivate people. Mm -hmm. I know you and I were having a conversation about your teaching and how it feels HR as a profession has evolved and grown, and some of the resources that you're being offered to teach people now feel dated. Can, can we talk about that? Sure. I was asked to teach a class in 2022 for the first time in a couple of years. I try to take a break here and there um, from the ongoing teaching. And as I was preparing for the course, I was looking at resources because in 2019, the world changed. Nothing is the same to me from an HR perspective as it was in 2018. So as I was preparing to teach the students and make sure that we're impacting them based on the current market, I couldn't find a resource dated sooner than 2019. Um, So the resources that are available from a textbook perspective, to me, are very dated. In addition to the fact that it's been well demonstrated and proven that people learn from experience as opposed to lecture. Mm -hmm. And most traditional textbooks and materials that are available for instructors are lecture-oriented. So I wanted to find programs that were more interactive, more of an experience-based learning experience. So what we've been doing, honestly, is creating our own PowerPoints. I've been creating my own materials and tools using things that I've created through my consultancy, or more importantly, in my role as the Senior Vice President of Human Resources for Latacrete, we've developed a lot of excellent programs. I bring a lot of that to the classroom now so that we can teach students how to create these things from scratch, but it would be great for instructors to have resources available to them to do these things. I think it's a great idea to sort of pivot away from, theory is important and you need to cover that, but I feel that can be sort of introductory. Here's the framework of your responsibility as an HR professional, but doing the actual job should be hands-on because you're literally engaging with people for a living. Absolutely. So when you're building these resources, what are some of the things that you're keeping you know, in, in front of mind? Hey, we want to make this interactive. We want to make this engaging. We want to make this useful. What, what do these presentations look like? Well, to be honest, when I start to develop materials, what I'm thinking about is what these students are going to look like mm-hmm. when they enter the workforce and how I would be ha- handling them when they come into, say, my workforce. I want someone who can hit the ground running, who has the resources, but also the instinctive ability to know how to use those materials to create good programs. And I find that a lot of students coming into the workplace don't really have that skill and ability. They have a lot of memorized facts and data, but they really don't have the ability to execute on any of that. When I went to school, there was a lot of memorization. And at the time, 
it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but we didn't have Google. So it wasn't an option to go to the internet to find the answers for the things that you needed. So textbooks had a lot of merit and validity. In my first 10 years in, as an HR professional, my textbooks were in my office and I referenced them often. We don't need to do that any longer with the introduction of the internet. There's a vast amount of resources available to us now. So I prefer to have the courses less around memorizing dates and materials and theory and more about practical applications. So I'll have them go through the life cycle of an employee as a part of an introductory course, as an example. So I'll create a program where I will provide them a tool and they'll use that to create a job description. And we'll talk about the content of a job description and they have to pick a role and design a job description. And then once they've designed the job description, we design an interview set of questions that you would use to interview someone if they were going to accept that particular job. And we take it through the entire process of how to comp that position, create the right compensation structure, what kind of incentive programs, what might onboarding look like, and we go through every one of those steps and have them create the materials based on the role that they've selected day one. And I try to have them pick a role that is interesting to them, either now or in their future. In addition to that, I give them all individual projects, and the individual project is very vague. I don't provide a very specific rubric at all because it worked. My boss doesn't give me a rubric. When, when COVID happened, there was no rubric. We had to figure it out. And we're really proud that we did figure it out. And we figured it out the same way some of the big companies were figuring it out without those external resources. I want the students that come out of my class to be able to do the same thing. And that's how we've been structuring the materials. But it's, it's all homegrown, handmade. It takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. You mentioned um, COVID. And also, you mentioned it feels uh, anything from before 2019 is dated in the HR space. Let's talk about what has changed for the HR professional, what I know a lot has, what are some of the changing expectations when you're saying this this new graduating uh, class of professionals needs to go out into the workforce, hit the ground running, able to work in a post-COVID world? What are some of the different skills that they need today that they didn't need 10 years ago? I think the ability to influence and articulate their arguments in an effective way is an important thing. With the new hybrid structure, I think it's important to be able to make yourself known and make an impact, whether you're live in the office or remote. And I think that's a lot harder for people to do now. So those aspects have changed, but the world has changed from a political landscape as well. There's a lot more that we have to be cautious about in the way that we present and what our own feelings are. We have to make sure that the organization is doing the same and creating a, a, a safe and comfortable culture for all of our employees to work. And that's different. We spend a lot more time focused on mental health than we ever have in my career over the last two years. That, these are all new introductions. I mean, geez, when I started working in HR, you couldn't publicly admit that you're a person who struggles with depression and anxiety. It would look like you, you're, there's something wrong with you mm -hmm. to admit your mental health illness. I happen to be a person who's always been very open about the fact that I've dealt with anxiety and depression because I feel like the best way to help others to grow is to share your experiences. But I love some of the changes that are happening, but the workplace isn't ready for it. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the things that we need to start to prepare for. And I think HR, again, since 2019, certainly has been a, a driving force for, hey, the old ways aren't working. And if we're inventing a new normal of work, HR has to be part of that conversation. Absolutely. And some of that comes from how we're educating HR professionals so that they are ready for those changes. Absolutely. Uh, when you imagine teaching this course in 10 years from now? Do you think the curriculum is going to radically change? Do you think it's going to sort of evolve in steps? It's certainly not going back to a 2015 or 2016 textbook. What, what are the next steps that are coming down the pipe, do you think? Well, as a starting point, I'm really hoping in 10 years I'm retired and not <laughs> teaching any longer. But if I am teaching, I don't think too much will change as far as the 
human aspect of it. It's about time that the human element is actually such an important factor in human resources. It used to be, when I started my career, truly, I was coached, you check your emotions at the door. Now, we don't check our emotions at the door. We recognize we're a whole human. In fact, my um, boss at uh, Laticrete uses that term often. We want to educate or we want to support the whole human. And I, I really like it. I want to steal it from him and use it um, <laughs> now and, and going forward. But caring about the human, caring about their overall experience, caring about their feelings, caring about their career growth, those are all things that I think will continue to move in that direction. What I believe will happen is it will create a little bit more of a formal structure around how we can provide those things to people. It'll be a lot more commonplace to see things like really robust succession planning, really robust individual development plans, coaching programs for people. We're starting to realize individuals are individuals and that we can't treat all the humans the same way. We don't learn the same way, we don't feel the same way, we don't interact the same way. There are some elements that are consistent, but how we approach each person is unique based on what we're trying to get out of that individual from a performance perspective. I love everything I've heard so far, but I do also want to talk about the technology piece of this. Um, I was in a presentation the other day with a, a chief human resource officer, and she said, you know, how many of you are involved in a digital transformation right now? And about three quarters of the room put their hand up. These tools are coming on to the market. They are making life easier for HR people, but it can also be very intimidating. There are a lot of options out there. Is this something that they need to like coordinate with IT in a way they never have before? I have to think that trend is only going to continue. How does the next generation of HR professionals get comfortable with technology, make smart choices, and actually get the most bang for their buck because they're, they're paying for it? I think the most important aspect of embracing technology is to not fear it. Right. Just recognize that it's a tool that will help you to be more effective and try to figure out how to capitalize on it in the most appropriate way for your organization. The value of technology is endless. It's not only the speed to getting things done, but also the metrics that are available to you once you start to collect information from a technology perspective. And that data is really what's going to drive the future, in my opinion. Um, HR metrics have been important since the beginning of my career, but most organizations really aren't advanced enough to be bringing that to the table, not, not mid to small size companies. Technology to me is a necessary evil. And if there are so many solutions available and so many of them are revolving on a regular basis, I think it's important to do your research. First, identify what your true needs are and pick the solution that matches that most effectively, but then trust people to just learn it on more hands-on learning. Um, technology, to, to me, this generation they're, they're born with technology in their hands. I mean, I think about my generation, if I wanted to make a phone call, I'd have to walk over to the wall that the phone was posted on and hide under a table for a little bit of privacy. Today, my kids have cell phones that they carry on them 24 seven and they're accountable constantly. I think that's a shift um, from a technology viewpoint that's unique from, from my view, being a Gen Xer, seeing no technology and no Google to where we are today is, it's been pretty fascinating. Um, to me, the best thing an organization can do is just embrace the technology because it will only help to streamline the things that you're doing and provide you opportunity to focus on new projects. We've covered a lot of great stuff at this conversation, but I wonder if there are one or two key takeaways you want people to think about a little further, maybe apply to how they're training their people. I think the most important thing we should think about as we're developing new HR professionals is to give them a safe place to learn. I think that's one of the struggles that I'm experiencing with the shifts that are happening in the world right now is that we have to feel safe and comfortable having the tough conversations and not have to worry about being canceled or 
being looked upon as though we're um, not understanding or compassionate. There's, there are a variety of different feelings and beliefs that people bring to the workplace. And since we no longer check our emotions at the door, we bring that in with us. And we need to help to prepare the future HR professionals on how to navigate that territory because it is very tricky. We are dealing with a very complex dynamic each day because we're working on strategic projects, we're working on day-to-day -day activities, we're dealing with the challenges that come up in the workplace throughout the day, and some of the challenges that come up lately are not typical of things that I've dealt with through my career. A lot more uh, examples where you see violence in the workplace, even though it might be minor as a starting point, it starts to set an alert that these are things that we need to be thinking about. Safety has become a really big priority. It was interesting in the presentations um, this week, several organizations talked about their three pillars of emotional, physical, and uh, financial safety. We use the term safety. The other organizations are using the term wellness. I think the reason we connected our pillars to safety is because when COVID hit, it felt like these things were on fire. These are really critical things. Wellness to me feels proactive something that we can think about proactively to help us to be better, whereas safety is we need to focus on this immediately. So I still feel comfortable with our three pillars being really focused in the approach of safety because we still have work to do to create the foundation where it becomes more of a wellness initiative down the road, something more proactive. But we need to prepare HR professionals for the complexity. So I feel that the more they can study things around psychology, emotional intelligence, we need to develop the EQ of our future managers and leaders. It will be critically important for their success going forward. In the past, I think leaders have been able to get away with behaviors that didn't align with a high EQ, and that's not the case anymore. It's one of the beauties of the millennials and the Zoomers is that they're creating a higher demand for accountability in the way that we treat each other. And I think there's a lot of value that they're bringing to the workplace from those viewpoints and perspectives. And we should capitalize on the pieces that are most impactful for our organization to, to help prepare. Kim, I feel like I could talk to you all day about this. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Um, I hope we get to do another episode with you someday. This, this has been fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast. I've been Jeff Nix. Let's do it again soon. Mm -hmm.